Pete Andrew Reed, you're, you're pastoring in, okay, and he's going to be preaching for us tonight, okay, and so I'm going to ask you if you'd open our Sunday school hour with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for an opportunity to come uh, to church again today, Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us, Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us, I pray you'd uh, be with the Sunday school classes this morning. You'd uh, be with each teacher, give them the words to say, give us uh, hearts that are ready to receive it. Lord, I thank you for this church and the stand it takes in this community. And uh, Lord, I thank you for their, uh, their love that they've shown already for us this morning. And I uh, pray that you just give us a good day here together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Again, your memory verse, Ephesians 1.7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Okay, and this morning we're going to be looking at redemption, the idea, and we're going to see, you know, you need to turn to the book of Ruth, that'll be the primary text for this morning, for this morning's lessons, and then we'll be looking at different parts of that, and the value, and what it truly means to be redeemed, what it means on your part, what it means on God's part, and how it should affect the way we live. And because most people in the world today, and you're, I'm looking at your handout that you had, have an obstacle that, that prevents them from being redeemed. The most common obstacle in the beginning of sin is because of what is the big word you see in this country today? I mean, when they have a whole month pointed to pride, to sin. You know, isn't it funny that they try to make that something that they want, to be, they want to be accepted, and they're pointing to something that says God says He will never accept. Okay, because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Okay, pride can be defined as this, self-righteousness. I can remember dealing with our, the addictions programs and stuff, and they'll teach you, and what you learn, and I just see it over and over again through the, so many years, over 30 years of ministry, is the fact that it's easier to bring someone from, self, uh, from unrighteousness to God's righteousness, because they can see that they're a sinner, than someone who has self-righteousness to bring them to God's righteousness. We had somebody who was witnessing to a man, they asked me to pray for him, and this man, 92-year-old farmer, lives outside of the Syracuse area. And he goes, what do I need God for? I can do everything. He's a multimillionaire. He owns properties, houses. He owns a couple thousand acres. People always come to him. They want to borrow money. They want to use him and stuff. He's got one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel, and he doesn't think he needs God. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. You know, pride has you thinking you're better than others. Pride has you wanting to take credit for things. Pride, or yeah, pride. Pride is a case of with you wanting glory for yourself. You show me somebody who gets upset because they don't get enough recognition. They don't get elevated enough. They're not given enough honor. And I'm going to show you somebody who's not right with God. Okay? I just want you to understand that. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. 
We'll get to the lesson, I promise. You all know how that works with me, right? We get just so far and then it's a race to the finish? Okay. See, because pride gets a person thinking they don't need God's grace. That's what happens with lost people. But I'm sorry to say that also happens with God's people. To go to heaven, to be a born-again Christian, means you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your only hope of heaven. You've asked Him to come into your life, right? I see people sometimes who are saved, they've been saved for quite a while, and you know what they do? They start looking down at the person who's not where they're at yet. Many people won't witness because they don't want to be around people like that. I guarantee you there's people in this church who are afraid to approach somebody who's got throat tats or sleeves. That person needs Jesus Christ as much as the person in the three-piece suit. Amen? So you look at this. I want you to Galatians chapter 2. And again, the verse most people know out of Galatians 2 is verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for, it is the right, for if righteousness came by the law, something that you could earn yourself, that you could keep it, then Christ is dead in vain. Around the street corners yesterday, at one point, I, I called out and I said, if you could earn it, why would he have to die? Okay, so you need to understand that. We're going to be looking at redemption. It says, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. Not of what? Lest any man should do what? Boast. Boasting should not be part of of your Christian life. Okay? James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You're going to see I'm going to be trying to drive a point home to you today. Alright? And with that, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I, then I will go to the book of Ruth. 1 Peter chapter 5. Just a few days ago, in the state of California, the Attorney General of California stated that they would not enforce the law that forces public school teachers to inform the parents of, didn't make a difference whether high school, elementary, shouldn't make a difference anyways, if they're your children, you're the one responsible for them, right? Okay? The family of some of the, one of the parents of one of these shooters They've gotten arrested because they enabled their son. Well, the law that the, the, the state attorney general for California is not enforcing, he said it's forcible outing of a child. And they have no right to do that. In, what's it, when people use the term outing, they're talking about revealing that they are a homosexual. Right? It's because... They will not tell the parents if the child wants to be called by different pronouns or is thinking that they're not the sex <laughs> that they were born 
in. And he says, that is outrageous to interfere in the life of a child in that manner. Hey, you know anybody lives in California? Tell them to move. If they're conservative, have them move to New York so then we can force some of the liberals out. I'm just telling you, but that's the case. And it's pride. And to think that that man was doing right and he sat there emotionally. He could have won an Oscar for how upset and outraged he was because teachers are going to be forced to tell the parents and they don't even understand that the school system's indoctrinating them. Pride goeth before destruction, okay? Galatians chapter 3, or I mean, 1 Peter 5, let me read this. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you subject, be subject one to another and be clothed with, what's the word? For God resisteth who? And giveth grace to who? Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of who? He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon who? For he careth for you. Bring it to God. Bring it to your Savior. Okay, back to Galatians chapter 3. We looked at Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. Wherefore, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by what? What does that mean to you? A schoolmaster is to help you to gain knowledge and understanding, so that you might know the right way. People believe that they're going to be right before God, lost people, by not being as bad as the other person, that they're keeping the law. It's our schoolmasters to show us that we cannot measure up. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, and this is for some of you that don't do the handout when it's given to you. If you did it during the week, then you'd be going, we already got this preacher. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I've said this early on when God called me into the ministry. This was my calling. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The purpose of the lesson today is for you to examine your life and look for areas of pride that you need to give to him and learn to walk humbly with thy God. Because, well, I'm not proud. 
I'm the most humble person you ever met. There's nothing wrong with confidence in God. There's a difference. I believe people should be confident. You should not be proud. You know, pride is when you think you deserve to be treated better. I don't deserve this. What do you deserve? What does God say you deserve? Pride is when you think you deserve more money. Show your value, you'll get it. Pride is when you think you would be more recognition. When you think you should, not as the case, I don't deserve to be treated that way. It's when I deserve to be treated better. And then resentment builds up. I have a book in my library. It's called The Bait of Satan. It's by John Vivere. And no, he's not a King James Bible believer. But the stuff in that book you can learn from, and it talks about the sin of offense. When we get offended, the next thing, you know, what do we do? We get resentful. And we let it interfere with our relationship with the Lord because we don't have a right relationship with the person who's offended us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all, with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for hath forgiven you. I promise I'll get to the book of Ruth. We need to understand, we need to be confident Christians before a lost and dying world who are humble before their God and having a peace that passes all understanding. If your heart is bitter, if your heart is angry, you are not at peace within or with God. You with me? Okay, let's go to the book of Ruth. How many of you know the story of Ruth? You've ever read the book? Okay. Now it came to pass in those days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now I have a question for you. An Israelite living in the land of promise, comes under a problem. And he moves his family to a nation that hates them. He moved because he thought it was going to be materially better because they deserved more. You get my picture? He moved his family. People will move for a job without ever even checking if there's a church they can take their family to. You're not right with God. And I say that confidently. He moves them. He and his two sons, his wife, Naomi. He dies there. His sons marry two Moabites. Two non-believers in the God of the Hebrews. And the Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with 
If a young man starts getting interested in a girl, first thing he better do is make sure she's saved. And if she's not, not let it go any farther until she gets saved. Amen? You say, that's in the book of Ruth? Well, it is the way I read it. Okay? So he turns around. He dies. She's left with two sons. They marry. They stay there about 10 years. You go any place about 10 years and you'll start talking the way they talk. You start thinking the way they think. I've watched people from our church move down south. And then they come back to visit. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk like New York Yankees anymore. What's with this? Okay, they, what do you do? You start taking on where you live. Okay? So they marry these two girls. The boys die. That's chapter one, right? The boys die. And Naomi then says, I can't take care of myself because do you know that in the land of Israel, the Jews were commanded to take care of the widows, but they sure aren't commanded to do that in the worship of Chemosh. The Moabite God. So she's there 10 years. She's she's got to be able to get through. So she's going to come back. Okay? She's going to go back to Bethlehem and didn't want to take her Moabite daughters-in-law back with her. Why? Because it was a shame to the Israelites. They were not to intermarry. This is what's going on in this thing. So she tries to talk them in staying. The one daughter does, but Ruth, in verse 16, says, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Who can find a virtuous woman or prices? Far above rubies. So Ruth comes back with her. Her sons were taken. Her husband was taken. And in the mercy of God, he gave Naomi somebody who was going to be better than ten sons. Just happened to be a female. That's the mercy and the grace of God. See, look at verse, we just read 16. Okay, Ruth refused to go back to her pagan roots and she became a believer in God. Look at chapter 2 of Ruth and verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given given thee of the Lord of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. She's come to trust in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Who is another Gentile woman? Rahab. So I want you to see that. You hear this morning, how many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Okay? You're saved. Doesn't make you better in of yourselves than that person who's outside who needs to come. You find Rahab 
in the lineage of Christ. You find Ruth in the lineage of who? Christ. Great, 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 I'm not looking at here, grandma of David, a man after God's own heart. I always look at that and I always wonder if the next person I get an opportunity to lead to the Lord might be one that God's going to use in such a way and reach so many more people that I could never even get a chance to. See, what you have at first, when you don't follow God's way, when you leave God's protection because materially it looks better, you have sorrow and tears. I'm going to give you a bunch of S's and T's this morning. Okay? In Ruth 1, you have sorrows and tears. They come back to Bethlehem, and it's the time of the barley harvest. Naomi wants to change her name from Naomi to what? Mara, because she's bitter. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, I already quoted you the verse, okay, be removed. They were poor and destitute. Takes us to Ruth chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find. Sight I shall find grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at the way Ruth speaks. Naomi's old. Ruth is going to take care of her. And Ruth looks at this thing, okay? And she's going by the laws given unto the Israelites. Because what is she going to do? She's going to, he'll let me glean ears. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. You need to put your Bible together, okay? Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. I know farmers around here that still do this. I know farmers who will let people go in, to pour, some people come in and pick the drops in their orchards. Okay? And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard, Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. And he tells them that's a command. I am the Lord thy God. So the Israelites, were, if a person, I think that's good. You know what it means? That means when they're poor and they know it, they've got to work to get something, but they can have it. The Bible teaches that, right? Not the handout. You understand it's taking place? Okay. Go to Exodus 22. 
Exodus 22. Look at verse 22. Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. You don't take care of them. You afflict them. You take advantage of them because they have less. They don't have. For whatsoever man, Galatians 6, 7, whatsoever man soweth, so shall he also reap. He that provideth not for his own is denied the faith and is worse than an The reason the wife is supposed to submit to the husband is because the husband's supposed to be worthy of it in providing that which God says they should do. Amen? Have I got any of you upset yet? Hang on, I'm trying. Being a stranger, not being raised in the laws of Israel, Ruth is a Stranger, she went out by faith to glean. Back in Ruth chapter 2, she's going out and she's going out by faith. Okay? And she's going to glean in Boaz's fields. She didn't know who owned various parcels of land because when you go to glean their orchards, their fields, one would rise up or right over into another. She could be in danger. God in his providence led Ruth to the portion that belonging to Boaz. He invited her to stay, provided protection, water, dinner, and extra barley. When you make a step by faith, you put yourself in the place where the hand of God is going to be needed to provide and protect you. You won't ever know it till you do it. I was talking to somebody, I was witnessing somebody this week, came to me for counseling. I actually was, <laughs> I want to go where it is, but it's not people from this church, okay? Because I counsel people in this state, other states, out of this country. And I talked to them about Abraham's servant because they wanted to know how could they know what God would have them to do as they start to grow in the Lord. And I talked about Abraham's servant who was sent to find a bride for Isaac. Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ. The bride is a type of the church, right? And he sends him out and says, go here, but don't take a woman from any other. I want you to go back to my kindred. And the servant says, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my brethren. You have to be going in that way for God to lead you. Ruth returns home to Naomi, and she's thrilled to find out that God put Ruth in Boaz's path. You know what's neat about this? 
You look at who Boaz is in verse 4 of chapter 2. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless thee. How many bosses have that relationship with their employees? Maybe if they could see God in you, you might see God in them. We have a warning about masters and how they treat their servants. But we also have warnings that no matter who your master is, you treat them properly as an employee and do your best because you work for who? For the Lord. I just find it interesting the things you can see in here. Okay? You know, when I read to you in chapter 1 and verse 16 about Ruth, that's the Christian life. It's commitment to follow. Amen? You don't know where it is. You know, that's saying we don't like that, do we? We don't like to know where we're going, you know, not know where we're going. So that's why you have to grow your faith in the one who's leading you. Amen? You still with me? Okay. That takes us to Ruth chapter 3. We could take time to read it, but then I'd have to be done. Okay? You have Ruth, uh, Ruth chapter 3, and Naomi, the mo- her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. You go down through the, she tells her, clean yourself up. Wash thyself, therefore anoint thee, and put on thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, and make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. She turns around, she's there, she uncovers his feet, she lays down at his feet. Verse 6, And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. She listened to her mother-in-law because she didn't know how to handle this situation. It's our jobs as adults to teach our children to obey because they don't know how to handle the situation. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, guys are always much better with a full stomach. Okay, yeah, I can remember... (laughs) The Bible kind of teaches us, but you understand, you know, beauty is vain. But a woman who feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. My mom looked at me one time. She's a child. She's from North Carolina. She said, don't get caught with that looker. See if she's a cooker. Okay. A lot of girls today. The mothers haven't taught them how to cook. Ladies, it can get you through a lot of things. It's biblical. All right? And I look at this. He, 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 he was married with lie down at the end of the heap of the corn, and she did what? I'm Ruth. Pay attention to me. She came Softly. My Bible tells me a soft answer breaketh the, the bone. Hmm? And laid her down. 
Ruth approached Boaz in a way that we should approach God. He's the kinsman redeemer. We should come to Christ. You understand this? Look at this. Before she came to him, she cleaned up. I tell people all the time, you ought to give your best to God. If the best you have is a pair of holy jeans, you come in holy jeans. But don't come in holy jeans. You've got a suit hanging in the closet. Okay? Don't come to church in a tube top and in hot pants. If that's the best you have, you're coming from the corner. You get my point I'm making. You need to be saved. Come. All right? But she cleaned up. She was properly clothed. She laid at his feet. And she did what he said. Oh! Find me a woman. Verse 8. And the woman lay at his feet, and he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. She's saying, I want you to redeem me. She humbled herself before him. And he said, because of his character, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a what? A virtuous woman. How did they know that? Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Okay? You know what she did? She did something about her approach. She had something about her appearance. She had something about her attitude and something about her action that caused people to say, there's a virtuous woman. She came softly. What we read in 1 Peter 5? Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Isn't it interesting? She did what he said. I've had an unsaved woman say, I don't believe the Bible. It tells me that the man is supposed to be the ruler in the home, the head of the home. No man's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know what you will be? Without a man. I beat your head against a rock. I don't care. You make the choice with this. Look at her approach. See, because what you have is they started off in sorrows and tears. Then you see her having to glean. So she's in service and in toil. She's serving her mother and she's toiling in the field. In chapter 3, when this thing starts taking place with, with Boaz, she has surrender and trust. You know what the Christian life is? Surrender and trust in your kinsman redeemer. Boaz is a a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery of equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and became what? Obedient. Even unto what? Death of the cross. 
Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the glory of God the Father. Approach, appearance, attitude, and action. She came softly. She did what he said. If you are women, I should tell you, if, you are not, if you're not endangering your life, he's going to put you in the grave. You want God to bless you? I don't care if your husband's a jerk. All right? Because some of us can be that. Every man's a jerk at some point. All right? When you obey, you're obeying God. And God's responsible for that outcome. That's why it's surrender and trust. Now, I'm saying that to the ladies, but you know something? Man, you're supposed to live in such a manner that your wife ought to be able to do it easily. Because you're going to be held accountable for not being that person. Because unto whom much is given, when you want the authority, much is required. Gee, you didn't know that was in the book of Ruth either, did you? So now she's going to be the kinsman redeemer. Or he's going to be the kinsman redeemer. Leviticus 25. Ready? Verse 23 and 24. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. That's God's. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession ye shall grant a redemption for the land. The purpose for the kinsman redeemer was so that the property would stay within the family. And when the husband died, a near kinsman would step up and marry the widow so that she would still have the protection of the land given to them because they were each, all the Israelites were to go out and claim their piece of land, right? They were given a portion by their tribes, by their families. So he's going to play the part of the kinsman redeemer. So we go from sorrow and tears, service and toil, surrender and trust to Ruth chapter 4. And that's satisfaction and triumph. Satisfaction and triumph. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there. Why was he there? That's because the city council was at always. And you read it, it talks about them having a seat at the gate. Another way of saying that is they have a seat at the table. They're in a position of responsibility over the city or over the area, the town. And sat down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. There was another man who was a closer relative than Boaz to Naomi and to Ruth. And unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and then he, he took ten men of the elders of the city. See, you don't let children or young people make the choice. You just let them do the fighting. And said, Sit ye down here. And they, they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi is come again out of the country of Moab. 
selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. That was her husband's name. And I thought to advertise thee by saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Oh, I can get another piece of land? He's a good Jew. Okay. <laughs> then said Boaz, What what day thou buyest the field of thy hands of Naomi, thou must buy it also of who? Uh-oh. She's a Moabite. I'm not going to mess up my good name amongst all these people with this Gentile woman. Not even knowing that she's a virtuous woman. She wasn't of the right family. Ruth the Moabitess the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. He made sure that that guy knew to get the land, you got to marry that Gentile dog. Because isn't that the way the Jews looked at those who were not Israelites? And the kinsman said, of course, right? I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mar mine own, what? Redeem thou my right to thyself, I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning the changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman unto Boaz said to Boaz, unto Boaz, Buy it. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Mahalon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahalon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. <laughs> he before them all. Not in the city, but at the gate. Now we have a kinsman redeemer who went outside the gate. And he said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's my redeemer. And he did it in a way so that all knew what he was willing to pay to purchase a Gentile dog. The other relative was willing to buy the land. He didn't want to marry Ruth. He didn't love her. He didn't want, and he wanted to keep his inheritance within his own family. Any children who would have carried on Ruth's deceased husband's name, not his. Perhaps he didn't want anything to do with her because she was a Gentile. I don't know. All I know is it was obvious he did not love her. He was not willing to redeem her. Ruth was redeemed by Boaz. Her family line would now continue in her life and would change. To redeem means to what? Buy back. Old Testament saints had the remission of sins. New Testament saints, we have remission and we have redemption. Redemption. Boaz was the kinsman redeemer. He's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price. Over and over again, when you read your Bible, you'll see in the New Testament where it points to the fact 
that although Jesus is God the Son, he humbled himself, became a man, that he might purchase me and might purchase you. Think about it. What it cost him. When you sit there and say, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be treated this. Think about what it cost your Redeemer. No, you're not. You're not redeemed of corruptible things. Right? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation, your manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest, made openly known in these last times for who? For you. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have, which is in you? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify, your, glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are they're His. You still with me? You see the picture? You can find the gospel in Genesis through Revelation. And you can see it in the pictures if you're willing to look and examine. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This was all of grace. Isn't it interesting? Naomi didn't know what she was doing and she came back and she was embarrassed and she tried to keep the one out of her life who was about to change her life. And Ruth in humility, was willing to obey not her own mother, but a mother-in-law. She was with Naomi for maybe, depends how soon the son married, ten years. Because Ruth wanted to please God. And she saw something in Naomi's God that she didn't have. Can people see something in your God that they don't have? by the way you are before them? For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? I want to hear you. It is what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? We need to understand the humility that we are to live confidently with before a lost and dying world. And we may not ever know until we are following in obedience what God has for us. Eye hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God, what? Hath prepared for them that love him. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Take a break.